Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fans. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. Welcome, folks, to what is episode 191 of Real Hawk Talk. The Seahawks dominate the Lions, uh, 51 to 29, I believe was the final score. Seattle moves to six and 10 on the season. The Lions drop to two, 13 and one. Do you know which team they tied against, Nathan? Uh, the Titans? Okay, that must have been earlier in the season because I did not know they had a tie. Um, obviously, this game didn't matter a whole lot, but there was a, a ton of fun stuff that happened. Uh, DK Metcalf had three touchdowns. Russell Wilson looked like Russell Wilson. Tyler Lockett caught a touchdown. Uh, Rashad Penny, one of your favorite players, continued his uh, stretch of dominance over four or five games now. Had 165 rushing yards and two touchdowns on, I think it was 17 carries, but I'm going to pull up the box score real quick. While you do that, it, I was wrong. They tied with the Steelers, not the Titans. Tied with the Steelers. Rashad Penny had 25 carries. Okay, so that's a lot more than 17. But he averaged 6.8 yards per carry. He had a long of 37 yards. I think a couple 25-plus um, yarders, and I am just – bringing Brian into the show right now. I think he's on uh, the light rail and there's some shenanigans going on, but um, 
yeah, that's the quick overview of the game. You guys all watched it. You don't want to hear me speak out basic facts, but uh, Nathan, how'd you enjoy this? Uh, I thought it was an incredibly disappointing game. Um, you know, Pete Carroll gets really conservative on that last drive and decides to kneel it out instead of trying to get 58 points. Opportunities to get the 60 and they can't do it. They miss an opportunity for Scorigami. Uh, it's really hard to come away with any positives from this game, I think. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just reading a tweet right now. Brian, I'm going to bring you into the show. Are you, are you there? Are you alive on the, on the light rail? I'm in my car, dude. It was a narrow escape. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Are you safe? Are you not? I am safe. As, as safe as I get driving my own car. But um, yeah, you know, some guy thought he was funny, fake coffin on the light rail without a mask on. And someone called him out and some young girls decided to get involved. And none of them had masks on. And then they all pulled knives. And yeah, it was a not the, the light rail experience I'm I'm used to. So, but I'm here, and uh, eventually, everyone started cheering for the Seahawks again on on the, the light rail for some reason. So, uh, well, Brian, you were at, well, Brian, you were at you were at a game what could have potentially been. Um, I guess it's the storyline we've all been talking about. You know, some some big players for this franchise potentially played maybe some of their last snaps in Seattle. Um, what was the atmosphere like today? What was the, what was the vibe in the stadium? <laughs> it was like borderline 49ers faithful level attendance today. Um, so it, it, it was pretty, it was pretty quiet. Um, relatively speaking, a lot of empty seats. I don't know. I, don't, I'm, I, I, I didn't catch the beginning with you guys, but I have to say it didn't feel like, didn't feel like the end uh, type of game other than maybe for Bobby, not because he got injured, which really sucked, but uh, you know, I think no matter what happens, Bobby's probably not back next year at his contract. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know where you guys are. <laughs> People might think it's absolutely stupid, but I do think, you know, scoring 50 plus points and blowing out a team uh it it matters to somebody who's making decisions about whether these these guys can work together again and whether there's something there that's worth building for. Uh, if they had lost this game, I think it would have felt very different. But I don't know. We'll find out. Do you, either of you know when Seattle last scored 50 points? Buffalo? I would or, say no, 2012. Cardinals? There's no way it was 10 years ago. I think it was. I might be wrong, but I thought it was there was 58 nothing against the Cardinals and then there was the 52 point game against the Bills and then we came back and we assassinated the 49ers. But we only scored 42 I think in that game. It's really really hard 56. to score 50 points. It's a lot of points. Yeah. I mean, we're better than the Patriots. We scored more than the Patriots today. Nathan, there are a lot of positives today. What yeah. were your what were your top callouts? What's top of mind for you? Um, uh, I think the Russ and DK uh, relationship might have healed a little bit today. Uh, DK uh, made everyone that's talked about his ability to, to come down with contested catches look a little silly with that touchdown. Um, so I think those are that, that's one really big thing. Um, the other thing is the offensive line. Um, 
I mean, you, we can talk about Rashad Penny. He had some really nice runs. Uh, they are run blocking like crazy. Uh, and a lot of that is, uh, you know, Kern is helping a lot with that. Um, I think he makes a right tackle decision this offseason pretty easy. So, um, you know, that continued today and that's all, that's all goodness. Um, so yeah, those are, those are two really big things that jump out to me. Brian, you were, you were there physically in person in the flesh. What was, uh, what were some of your highlights? Bill fucking Haynes, dude, whatever, man. This was this, I don't want to hear about Russell Wilson or Pete Carroll or anybody else. This is a fucking Phil Haynes coming out party. I mean, I'm assuming Nathan just left that for me because when he started talking about the offensive line, you cannot be talking about the offensive line without talking about Phil Haynes. Am I wrong? I mean, I don't know what it looked like on TV, but that guy was just destroying people. He had a great game. I'm only like 30% joking. Uh, Like, I think he played really well. What do you think prompted the change for today? Because it kind of came out of nowhere. Well, I I honestly, I've been watching it. Like, I've been hoping, because everyone, like, all the press people were saying, like, the the beat writers were like, oh, it probably means Kyle Fuller is going to start and play Damian Lewis. I was like, well, but Kyle Fuller was so bad. Maybe there's a chance. I even looked up before the game whether Phil Haynes was on the like the roster or whether he's on the practice squad still, because I forgot, to be honest. He's on the roster. I'm like, so there's a chance. And he wasn't on, on the inactive list. And then they they said it. So I mean, who knows? He, it is one of the most inexcusable decisions in a season full of inexcusable decisions that Kyle Fuller got all the opportunities he did. And Phil Haynes got none of the opportunities until now. And who knows, you know, maybe it'll turn out that this is a, you know, just another game where he shows up and gets graded well and played well. And maybe it doesn't mean that much, but I thought he run run blocked really well. And I thought he pass protected really well. And I think that has meaning. Like, I think that guy could be part of your offensive line. Um, I've wanted him to play center, but Damian Lewis has also taken snaps at center. And no matter who, where, who you want to blame, blame on and what, what you think should happen next, we all agree the offensive line needs work. And if there's any solutions in-house, like Nathan was mentioned with, uh, I don't know if it's Curran, Curran, I haven't, I haven't looked up pronunciation yet, but those are, those are meaningful this could be potentially meaningful fines if they give him a freaking chance and they just have it with Haynes. What did they do with Damian Lewis? What did they do with Damian Lewis? Nothing. They keep him. They probably continue to start him. The big question is really, what do they do with Gabe Jackson, who is going to make $9 million next year? You can save $3 million by cutting him. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't paid it. I haven't thought about it enough to really say who's been better between Lewis or Jackson, but I don't think that Jackson's been amazing by any stretch. And, you know, Lewis is going to be starting his third year next year. So, you know, if you're talking about just give him that extension, man, three years, whatever. For Gabe Jackson. Yeah. Didn't he get extended this off season? Uh, Well, yeah, but they can still cut him next year and save 3 million bucks. Is it that flexible? Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's six million dead, but yeah. I mean, it's a nine mil cap number. That's not nothing, right? But I mean, so if you're talking about, you know, if you're if you're now trying to like, you know, enshrine 
Haynes into a starting spot. I think you look there before you look at messing with Lewis. But Brian, what's your take on that? Well, if you if you if you if you do that though, Nathan, the downside is now you're trying. I mean, you have a hole at center regardless. I think we all agree on that. And so all I'm saying is if you've got three interior linemen that are potentially starting quality players and Haynes has taken snaps to center and so has Damian Lewis, then at least give it a shot. It cannot be worse than what they've been running out there. And you know, there's I'm, not necessarily any other great center options staring you know, him in the face. I'm with you on the Haynes hype. I've liked him for a long time. I liked him kind of, you know, college. I thought he looked good against Green Bay. I've been mystified that he hasn't gotten snaps the uh, the Haynes at center thing is a, is a bridge a little too far for me. I don't know that. But I mean, I, I think honestly, you just you probably just keep all three and worst case scenario, you have an OK player on the bench um, and maybe you can make Haynes at center work. I mean, I, I, that I, I don't know that there's really anything there, but like they can try it. And you're right. They've they've kind of messed around with it once or twice. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Again, I'll have to see like film and like watch it, not just uh, replays on the big screen and what I was seeing live. But I think he moves well. I think he is—he's a good two-way uh, blocker, pass and run. And anyway, whatever. I, I, part of it is just the center position has been such a pit of despair this year mm-hmm. that I mean, if Evan was like, "I'm going to go to In and Out for the entire off season." <laughs> he could absolutely be a better option at center than what we've seen this year. So I just, yeah, center center is a very sore spot for me uh, at this point, but I agree with you about DK. It was a good game for DK. I thought Ross mostly had a good game. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of groans about that one throw to Gerald Everett that hit the back of the, the Lions player. Um, mm. But I thought he was, largely good and I thought Rashad Penny looked looked great and uh, I think a lot of people want to know whether the Seahawks should should bring him back next year I'm kind of curious like Evan as the Rashad Penny jersey owner where, where are you on that yeah I think we talked about this briefly last week I, I'd probably give him like a if this one is hmm, let me rephrase this I would go up to like a max of one year 2.5 three million dollars with him I think that's that's the limit I'd go, but it's pretty it's pretty difficult to imagine that he wouldn't get something more than that on the open market. But maybe I'm being a little too optimistic. Nathan, do you have a an opinion on this scenario? More than what? Um, I didn't want to go above two point five three million on a one year deal for him. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Brian, do you disagree at all? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I've been pretty steady there. I just, I I actually feel a little bad for you, dude, because you were just early. You were early on the Rashad Penny hype and you waited years and he waited till the end of the of any possibility to give you hope. And you're like way off the bandwagon now and everyone else is now like a huge Rashad Penny fan. So, you know, give yourself a little credit for being, uh, uh, early on that one. I mean, it was just like a, it's like, it's, it was like a shit posting Jersey. Was it? 
Yeah. I know, dude. I, I don't know if it really was. Don't give me too much credit, Brian. Um, good Lord. I'm trying to think about what else we haven't talked about today. Did we just see Bobby Wagner's last play, last snap as a Seattle Seahawk? And I, we got to mention it. We got to talk about it. People are asking about it in the chat. It obviously looked like he maybe hurt his groin or something like that. Did the splits. Brian mentioned he has a huge cap hit next year. It's like a $20 million cap hit would save. I think it's like 16 or and no dead money. I think it's like, I think there's dead money, but it's very small, like one or 2 million right. or something. He's got no guarantees, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So it would, they would save $16.6 million cutting him. There's no way he's coming back. No Not way. Not at that contract value, right? On that? No way. Yeah. So part, the, the thing that I wonder about, and it, it could have just been a very smart way for John to negotiate the Adams contract, but we heard multiple times they were not going to pay Jamal Adams more than Bobby Wagner. Like that was Bobby is the guy, you know, he's the leader of the defense and they just weren't going to pay him. So it'd be a little crazy to then turn around and just cut him uh, after holding him as like the standard that they absolutely wouldn't go over for Adams. And that could have just been a negotiating ploy. Um, I wonder though, if they don't do some kind of like, can they, they, can they do an extension next year? Cause it'll be the last year. And then totally. to like give him like three years and way reduces cap hit for next year and let him get, you know, an easy way out in the year after that or something like that. The problem is you have to make it. Do you want fine. them to do that? I don't think Bobby. Sorry, I mean, on, Evan. Oh yeah, go ahead. Bob. Go no, ahead, no. Nathan needs to respond to this. I kind of, I mean, I think Bobby is still an okay player. Like mm-hmm. he's not trash. He's just not, I mean, he, he's, I think he's like the leading linebacker uh, uh, in terms of Pro Bowl votes. And obviously he's like having a crazy year in tackles and the play just isn't like actually reflective of that, but he's not like garbage. So what would you pay him per year? What number are you comfortable with? I just feel like you can do like, it seems like you can do some kind of magic where he ends up like signing a three year 36 million dollar extension that where his first year cap hits like actually like six or eight million and then there's some easy outs you know the next year after that so you're talking about paying him something like eight million dollars a year ten million dollars a year next year mm-hmm. and then just getting out of it i don't know i mean i think they should trade him i, I thought they should trade him a couple of years ago i don't know that there's much value there anymore um but, it's hard yeah. for me to not see a situation where they have to cut him though be, yeah. because his base salary is 16.35 million next year so in terms of like the financial logistics of it you know that's a, that's like a year one cash flow like that's what he would be paid next year if he played out the entire season a new contract would have to include a signing bonus plus a 2022 base salary totaling 16 million or, or close to it for him to like willingly you know do an extension instead of being cut and then rene- renegotiating a different contract those that's kind of complicated but like I don't know. I, I It's complicated, but I feel like I, don't you think that they're going to try to do the work to keep him? Like, do we really think they're going to cut Bobby Wagner? Uh, and again, maybe, maybe I'm just being way thrown off by the Adams stuff, but like they, the multiple times that came out that they would not pay him more than Bobby Wagner. Mm-hmm. And that just seems very strange. Like 
Yeah, but not I think wrong, that's already, but strange. That's already been accomplished. Yeah. Yeah, I get the strange part. I, I I'll repeat. I think there is zero chance that he's back on the team next year at, with the contract he's got, or that they sign him to an extension. Mm. I, I I mean, it just doesn't like. There's no part of where this team is in its in its cycle that makes sense to me to bring back a veteran mid thirties line, middle linebacker for what is like top linebacker money at the end of his career. Like Bobby's been good this year, but he has not been great. And yeah, I mean, I, mean, I you yeah. got to take I, the I emotion think, out of this. I mean, you got to re- redirect that money. Yeah. Like, is this a, is this a position, ahead, a player that you want to invest significant capital in? moving forward, knowing that we've got some big extensions on deck, DK Metcalf being one of them, which we should start talking about this off season. <sighs> They've just got a finite amount of resources. Everything about this off season is going to come down to, I mean, I guess how honest this team is about where they are in the cycle. Cause you're right, Brian, like from our perspective, trying to keep Bobby or, you know, paying him, just paying him his last year doesn't make any sense with where they are competitively, but where do they think they are competitively? Right. And that's going to, that's going to be the question for, for everything that comes up this year, right. Firing Pete, trading Russ, you know, firing John, getting rid of Ken Norton Jr. Like for everything, it's going to be, where do they see themselves? Right. Do they see themselves as, you know, a team that's going to have a positive point differential and just had some bad injury luck with Russ getting hurt for the first time in his career? Uh, Or, you know, do they actually see themselves the way a lot of people seem to be looking at them as, you know, a team that's had a series of kind of poor decisions and aging players and that is, you know, I think at best kind of stuck in purgatory right now. So Bobby is going to have an MRI for a sprained knee tonight is what it sounds like are the next steps, blah, blah, blah. Um, Brian, anything else you want to add on the Bobby Wagner stuff? I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's a shame. There'll be a time for us to talk and, and feed Bobby Wagner for what he's meant and how he's carried himself. I mean, I got nothing but love for Bobby Wagner. I mean, amazing, amazing Seahawk, amazing player, um, amazing person. Uh, all I'm talking about is dollars and cents. I felt Lofa Tatupu is different in that Lofa Tatupu is never as good as Bobby Wagner. But <laughs> we weren't all together doing this. But back in 2010, I was doing my podcast and, and writing articles about to, Lofa Tatupu needs to be cut. And like, I was getting called out by reporters and everyone like, you're crazy. There's no way they're cutting low for Tutupu. I'm like, his numbers are totally falling off and he's just not simply, they cut him. I'm like, you just got to do it. You got to move on. And linebacker happens to be a position that you can get young guys and they can contribute pretty quickly. So Jordan Brooks is ready to step in. I don't know how Cody Barton's going to grade out today. I still have no belief that Cody Barton is a starting linebacker in the NFL. I know that hurts Nathan to his core, but it's just how I feel. And uh, so go out and draft a linebacker in the second or third round and, and have a young, fierce linebacking crew. I mean, go do it. I thought, total tangent, but I thought Daryl Taylor's hit at the goal line 
mm. was one of my favorite plays of this year. That was a badass. That was a badass stick. It didn't end up mattering, but man, that was a sweet play. Can we talk um, about DJ Reed for a second? Yeah. DJ Reed isn't getting enough love. Two yeah. interceptions, only interceptions by a Seahawks cornerback this season. Is that not crazy? <laughs> I can't well, believe Ugo. that. Well, Ugo had one tonight too. Oh, he did. You're right. Okay, well, he had 66% of <laughs> the interceptions this season. Uh, he's a free agent. That's going to be a tough one. You want to talk about that? I think you got to sign Reed, and I think you got to sign Sydney Sydney Jones. You got to think you could probably get both of them reasonably affordably. I think Reed's going to cost money. Sydney Jones is 25, 25 still. So is, so is Reed. And Reed's put together like a year and a half of like above average cornerback play in a league that, you know, that's not easy to find. So I'd be kind of surprised well, if well, let Reed me ask got... you guys this. Would you would you pay? Go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead, Devin. Finish that. I was just going to say, I, I think Reed's market is like five to seven million a year. I, I don't think it's anything insane. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think seven million is what I think he gets. And I would pay him seven million. Nathan? Uh, I think he could get paid considerably more than that. I mean, here's the deal. Uh, how much better do you think Shaquille Griffin is than DJ Reed? I don't think he's better. Okay. And how much does Shaquille <laughs> Griffin all. get paid? <laughs> but, but that contract was a much... difference. It, 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 you're... Is so like you're, you're, you're doing this logically. Like, the NFL doesn't work on logic. Shaquille Griffin was a a draft pick, a higher draft pick. DJ Reed was cut from the 49ers. Like they, he just won't be valued the same way. There's no way. Okay. But like, even still, if you're talking like 7 million, you're talking half, almost, almost half of what Quill got. I I think you're, you're going to be paying. He might be more than, he might be more than seven. Yeah. (laughs) He might be more than seven, but I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't know. What do you guys do? Do you, you really let you, you finally have some decent corners that are doing a decent job? I think nickel to me is the bigger issue. I, mm. if, if you can lock down these corners, I think they're serviceable. Well, the flip side of this is like, you know, so uh, I tweeted this during the game, uh, you know, Michael Jackson comes in uh, and looked good. <laughs> yeah. Like he had two pass breakups, one in the end zone. Um, they have cycled in. How many corners have they cycled in? It's been uh, Reed and, you know, uh, Amadi's been playing. Trey Flowers. Trey Flowers, Sidney Jones, Bless Austin, Michael Jackson. Uh, and basically every single quarterback that they've rolled out there has looked fine, except Trey Flowers, who looked like ass. So I don't know. Do you pay yep. DJ Reed? You know, I mean, the flip side is that, you know, they cut flowers and moved Reed back to his natural spot, and then the defense started playing a lot better. So, I don't know. I don't know how much better you say – or how, how much – I don't know. I don't know what you do with him. Maybe you do let him walk. I mean, maybe he is just that guy, and, and they've just been using him, you know, the right way. Trey Flowers gave up a huge play Can I ask today. you guys a separate question? Yeah, what's up? Wait, who? Trey Flowers, uh, for the he's on the Bengals, right? I think he gave a, up a big play on the goal line today. Yeah, right. 
Shocker. Um, so we all picked the Seahawks to lose this game to the Lions. We all did. And they won. They were up 38 to 7 at one point in this game. Why, why, why do you think that was? What were we wrong about? Like, and what, what did they just, yeah. Why were they better than we thought? It's a good question. Nathan, you want to take a stab at that? I think it's a couple things. Um, uh, I mean, well, the Lions are a bad team. Um, so, you know, you can, you can definitely just start there. Um, it, it seemed, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how much to ever read into this stuff, you know, the, the psychology of it or the emotions of it. But I think it, it seemed like maybe Seattle came out and wanted to show that they aren't, you know, a five win team that, you know, maybe this was an opportunity to them to just like completely shit on a terrible team and say, no, we were really better than that. Um, uh, I mean, a lot of the, like, if you're Pete and John and you're thinking about trading Russ, you really, really want Russ to look good. And if you're Russ and you're trying to get out of here and you want teams to have interest in you, you're invested in playing well. Um, and, you know, obviously guys like DK, you know, trying to have big years. And I'm sure DK cares about getting to a thousand yards and different things. So Seattle had a lot of reasons. Seattle had a lot of reasons to care about this game that maybe I wasn't properly accounting for. I kind of thought that this might go, you know, the Lions have been feisty and they've they played some good teams fairly close. Um, and so I thought Seattle might kind of deflate and, and the Lions would just, I don't know, keep fighting and play hard, which to their credit, they really did. I mean, they 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 made this feel a little bit more uneasy than it should have there around the start of the fourth quarter. Yeah, the Seahawks have uh, emotionally hurt me when it comes to backup quarterbacks. So um, <laughs> that's where I'm at. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that's fair. It does. And I mean, I mean, I'm just I'm just being honest. I mean, we all picked him to lose. And Nathan and I were in the chat, even in the first quarter after the first series, we were like, Nathan's like, I hope I'm not outing you, Nathan, but like, am I crazy to think that the Seahawks are gonna get bullied by the Lions? And I'm like, absolutely not. You're not crazy at all. And then they score 50 freaking points. So um I don't know. I, I give a lot of credit to the offensive line. I thought the offensive line had a, they were the bullies today and that run game and Rashad Penny was awesome. I, you know, I generally am pretty close to the, the Nathan and others point of view that most running backs are pretty much the same. I thought Rashad Penny was notably different. And even if you had Pete, Chris Carson, I don't think he gets the yards today that Rashad Penny got. Um, I think he's a different back. He's shown that he's an explosive, explosive play guy. That is not what Chris Carson's ever been. And uh, every time he touched the ball, it seemed like he was about to break it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I thought he was a big difference. And I thought DK Metcalf had a good game today, which is nice. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was, uh, it was nice to see. Did you feel like there was more misdirection but, uh, with this offense today? I was going to say, I think they opened up the playbook uh, like, a little yeah. bit. Like, what happened today? It just looked more creative. Well, 
when you when you got some great plays, you got to wait until you're five and ten, and you got the Lions at home to unveil that shit. So I I think this is a this is a real thing though. I think that after last year, I I do wonder how much they they think that they kind of they showed too much too early, um, and so I think that they may have been overly conservative this year. I mean, and, you know, a big part of it, too, is that Russ didn't look like an ass for most of this game. Like, he had one really bad throw to Everett. But other than that, he looked good. And, and that helps your offense, yeah. right? Um, but, yeah, it does seem like they kind of were like, well, better use it now if we're gonna. Like, that that locket, you know, goal line touchdown and stuff like that. That was probably stuff that they were sitting on hoping for, you know, more important moments. I I, I would add two things to that, Nathan. So, just to build on your Russell point, I'm pretty sure I'll have to go back and look, but I, I think it was almost the exact same play design that they ran against the Rams in the first half, uh, the first game. Tyler Lockett was wide open for what would have been an easy touchdown. And whatever reason, Russell just swallowed the ball. He didn't throw it. He was looking at him. He knew where the ball was supposed to go. He didn't throw it. Today, they ran the same play. Freddie Swain, again, even more wide open, and he hit him for, you know, uh, that big play early in the game. So you can't underestimate Russell running the plays and hitting the throws, how much of a difference that makes. But then the other piece is when you're actually getting first downs, and this is the class Pete statement, but it is, there's some truth to it. They had more plays to run and they started being able to have success with a run play. And they actually did this where they'd run this, this one play where they pull Everett across uh, in motion and he would, he would block down on the run. Well, once they'd done that and successfully done that a couple of times, then they were able to let Everett, he was getting let go by the defensive lineman because they were expecting him to come block them. And then he was wide open on bootlegs. And so like these plays do, they are meant to work together. And if you're going three and out every time, or you're not getting any success at all with one version of it and the defense doesn't have to worry about it, then yeah, like it's hard to, to kind of get the, the playing off of a, a successful play if you're not getting any successful plays. One other thing I wanted to call out, what was the deal with the Russell glove? Did you guys see that? I barely paid attention no. to it. He had a new glove, right? Yeah, so he was wearing a glove for sure on his left hand and I maybe on his right hand as well. Um, no idea if... I'm not going to speculate. I don't know what that means, but it, it, he never wears gloves. That was just bizarre. I didn't know if you guys had any thoughts on that. He's worn the glove on his, he's worn a glove on his right hand, sorry, his left hand this year after the injury. I've seen him do it. He, de he definitely did it last week against the bears. I'm, I'm, I know he's done at least one game. If he were on his right hand, that should have been one of our top topics because Guys, Russell played a good game in the rain. Um, people are saying he had two gloves. So that's big deal. That's a big deal. Unless I'm being lied to. Well in the rain. Unless he the chat well. unless the chat is lying to me. A big big asterisk. People are saying he was wearing two gloves. Holy shit. That's news, dude. <laughs> Am I a weirdo that I just don't care about this at all? I mean, you, <laughs> you, you gotta, 
you got to wait until you're like in the league for 13 years and have like a 71 passer rating in rain games before you try to actually play one game with a glove. Don't even get me started. Don't even get me started. Um, two gloves oh, and one had the he, he was tip holding of, them back the whole time. Okay. So one of the right hand glove had like the tip of the finger cut off for that one finger. Yep. Okay. Yep. There's a picture. It's two gloves. Glove gate. Holy shit. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to be so pissed if he gets traded now and goes plays for the bears and wears a glove every game and like goes nuts in the weather. That's going to suck so bad. Um, hey, how- why, isn't, why don't we talk more about the lions as being a possible trade option for Russ? Like, they never come up, but they showed all the picks that they have the next couple of years. Like, the Lions could trade two firsts and two seconds over the next two years, and they'd still have first-round picks in each of the next two years. Because Russ won't because... agree to go to Detroit. Yeah, that's probably true. Hold up. I'm, like, really infatuated with this glove thing now. Why are people so fascinated with the glove? I don't get it. Because he sucks playing in the rain, and he happens to play in a fucking city that rains constantly. Yeah, but only... And has a history of playing poorly in the rain. Every okay, but he time. doesn't play in that. He's not going to play in that city for very much longer, Evan. So oh, what does it matter? Nathan, <laughs> did you really? <sighs> okay, right. so while you're while you're investigating Glovegate, somebody in the chat asked if they had pulled out the Rams and Bears games, would Seattle now be in the playoffs? The answer is probably no. Um, that would put them at what eight and eight right now uh both the niners and the eagles are ahead of them with nine wins so they would need both philly and the niners to lose next week and seattle would need to beat the cardinals who i believe are playing for the one seed next week so uh still even if they had managed to win those two games i think it still would have been very unlikely that they would be playing for much of anything next week Anything else we want to talk about? We've got one more All right, game within line, this. Guys. Brian, are you there? You cut All out. Right, go on. I, I, you guys cut out for a second. Go on. I was just going to say, uh, if, if there's any other topics you guys want to discuss, we've got one game less left in this uh, very fun regular season. Sounds like you might, Brian. Uh, I was just going to ask you guys if if you think, not whether you think personally, but whether you think this game potentially has any implication of, uh, of whether Pete would come back or not or be brought back. Do you think, do you think it has any weight with ownership? I don't. I don't. The several reports that have come out, um, and they've been super vague, but they've said that Jody wasn't looking at this or the ownership group wasn't looking at this as just like a one season thing that it's been over the last several years. I don't know if that's, if that was JLC's report or or somebody else's. I I remember reading that somewhere, but I don't think it does. Nathan. So we talked about this a little bit in the Wednesday show. And I think we all said that, you know, if they lose to the lions, that would be bad, but otherwise I don't know that this game matters putting up 51 points has to matter a little bit like that has to factor somehow uh you would think 
So it maybe moves the needle. And, you know, Pete's Pete's an emotional dude. Uh, for ha- To have this at the end, you know, if they turn around and they beat the Cardinals, who are, like, playing for the one seed maybe next week. I don't know what the playoff picture is exactly, but I think they are. Um, I could see that energizing Pete. Um, now, I don't know what that means in terms of, you know, if he gets energized, does that mean he might be, he wants to roll it back with Russ or he's going to, you know, trade and like, you know, I don't know, who knows, but you'd think it, it probably factors a tiny bit. Do you disagree, Brian? No, I think that's probably right. I, 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 I yeah, I said at the outset, I, I, I do think silly things like this do factor in a little bit and if they had just beat him by five points or something that's one thing and it was 17 to 12 but i do think scoring 51 like and being up 38 to 7 um if nothing else it definitely proves that hit that pete pete's team did not quit on him his five his worst team he's had here did not quit on him and um even if this is his last season i think that speaks well for for who he is as a coach so uh you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Cool. Well, there you have it, folks. Episode 191, Seahawks dominate the Lions 51-29. We've got one, la- one last game in the regular season on to Arizona. Uh, the weather is looking nice, so Seattle moves to 6-10, and 10, and maybe they can move to 7-10 and 10 after next week. But, gents, I appreciate you both, and uh, we'll see everybody Wednesday, I assume, will be our last uh, game preview for what is the 2021 regular season. And I'll just cap it off with this one last final note. The Seahawks, they're undefeated this year. That's all I have to say. Enjoy your week.